Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from a balmy Phoenix, Arizona. The weather changed very quickly on us in the 60s last week, and uh, it's going to reach 100 degrees today, so not super excited about that. But uh, excited to have our guest on today. As, uh, as you know, this is a podcast where we invite a new guest on every single week to talk about their business. And uh, we definitely have a tycoon on the show with us today. We've got Ben Taylor coming to us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ben is founder and CEO of Soft Ledger. So Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Yeah. So Ben, before we jump into the business side of things, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on you personally? Tell us about your family, what you studied in college, what you like to do, whatever you want to share with us personally. We'd love to hear it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Um, Again, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm originally from DC, uh, and so uh, that's where I was. Uh, I studied accounting, and um, I kind of go through our our story and kind of how we ended up here as a, as a start. Um, so I uh, started uh, accounting at the University of Maryland. That's where I met my co-founder Jeff Ostrega, um, and went into I went into accounting after school. Did public accounting in the DC area at Ernst and Young. And then did financial reporting after that for a few years um, at Fannie Mae, so kind of big company auditing and reporting background. And then uh, when I was when I started SoftLedger, I was working for a company in Chicago, managing a few different areas in the uh, in the accounting department for them. And then when Jeff and I started, Jeff is my, my co-founder. Um, we uh, we moved uh, to to Santa Monica and went full time uh, with, with with the company. We were doing it nights and weekends for a little bit before that, uh, but a little over six years ago, we did that full time. And um, and yeah, we've been steadily grown over the uh, the business ever since. Last year, we um, we've always been fully remote, but uh, I really quit relocated to to Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, yeah, we're you know love, love love the city. That's why we decided to to move back back east. It was between here and DC and. Pittsburgh went out and um yeah we're uh we're here on the north side if you're ever in town let me know well yeah I, I will definitely be coming to Pittsburgh at some point we had a we had another guest on the show that has a, a story that's similar to yours um and and created a uh, a technology company in Pittsburgh and uh I've told him that I'm going to come out and see him at some point but um my son and I, you can see behind me, we're huge baseball fans. And uh, Three Rivers is a, is a place that we have not been to and, and would love to visit. Well, it's a PNC Park now. That's the, that's oh, the right. but it's a good, it, yeah, a, um, great venue, great view of the city too. We actually, we're having our offsite here in, uh, in September um, and uh, we're, uh, we're, we're going to a game. That's awesome. So what, do you have ties to Pittsburgh? What, what, made you choose between pittsburgh and maryland uh so so it was um my, my wife's originally from here um and so we were kind of choosing a place where we both had both had family and 
Um, and my, my uh, family is, uh, I was born in Bethesda, it's right outside DC. And, uh, and so, yeah, we were choosing between those two and, you know, we, we really liked Pittsburgh. Um, and yeah, I thought that this was, this was the spot. So we, yeah, ended, ended up choosing Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a great city. I don't, I don't know that the weather is as nice as it is in Santa Monica, but, uh, it, it yeah, is a lot, great. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of Santa Monica to Pittsburgh weather jokes we've got. Yeah. It's, uh, um, but yeah, we, you know, I, I never thought I'd say it, but after, after, uh, five years being there, uh, a little over five years, we, uh, um, I did miss the seasons. Um, so <laughs> we, we definitely have them here. So, um, so I guess, you know, play, I, I have to say you could leave it to, to, uh, my, my wife and I to complain about, uh, uh, the weather where, wherever we are. And so, uh, you know, you have this, this perfect year round weather and you miss the seasons, you know, that was, that was, uh, by the end. Yeah. Well, I spent some time in Southern California and, and I did actually miss the seasons as well. I grew up outside of Salt Lake City. And so I was accustomed to all four seasons. Now, spring and fall were always really short and summer and winter were really long, but it, you still got all four seasons. And so I, I did miss that. But gosh, I tell you, sunny and 75 every day is not bad either. It's bad in the beach. was That's pretty tough to beat. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely missed that part. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I look forward to visiting Pittsburgh. I have a I have a friend. We aren't super close. We were at uh, you know at some point, but that was twenty five years ago. He played eleven seasons with the Steelers and has uh, played in three Super Bowls, has two Super Bowl rings, and is still in the Pittsburgh area. So, I would uh, I would love to reconnect with him as well. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a that's a big career. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was definitely lucky because he was a backup most of the time, but he did, he did play in, in all three of those Super Bowls and, and has the, the two rings to show for it and had a great career. So, um, all right, well, let's jump into the, the business side of things. So let's start by just kind of having you tell us what soft ledger is, why you started the company and, and what you guys kind of do day, day to day for companies. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, we provide accounting software that helps growing companies um, uh, operate more efficiently and make smarter decisions. And, and so um, that, uh, that kind of came about when I was managing a few different areas in the accounting department for a uh, small public company in Chicago. It took too long to get financial data every month. So it took too long to close the books. That process took weeks, even over a month sometimes. And that's the process that you need to, to do before you actually can get the financial data uh, that you need to run the business. Um, and so I just, it seemed like a problem that could be solved with software. Uh, and Jeff, uh, my co-founder, he had, had studied computer science at the University of Maryland. He'd been building applications since he was in high school. And so after some convincing, I got, you know, I got him to take a crack at, you know, Nights and weekends, we were trying to build a general ledger, and then that turned into you know a little bit more serious and multiple iterations and you know code re rewrite or two, and then um, we we decided okay if we get some money to to uh, from an investor to, to to put in some money so we can do this full time, we'll give it a shot, and we did, and that was uh, a little over six years ago, and that's when we moved out to Santa Monica. Gotcha. So is that just, is that the one and only time that you've taken on capital? 
No, no. We, since then, we've taken on a number of other uh, small investments. And then most recently, we raised a seed round um, that was $2.1 million in, in May of 2021. And that was led by Naples Technology Ventures. So they're our, our largest investor. Gotcha. So what at this point, what what if I can ask, what percentage do you and Jeff own in the company compared to private equity? Sorry, it's not something we usually share share publicly. Uh, yeah, but, um, no worries. yeah, still a significant significant chunk. Uh, um, yeah, we're still still in it to to grow grow it as big as possible. Great. All right, so accounting software for you know growing companies so give us an idea of what that means who who truly is the ideal customer for for soft ledger sure so um usually what happens is the company's uh, on a a small business um, accounting system like quickbooks and it's that's that's largely the one we see and they um the business grows volume of transaction increases uh transactions increase and uh, and so, so with that comes complexity and they ultimately need to bring on a experienced accountant. So it's usually when we come into the pictures, they hire an experienced uh, controller or accounting manager. Sometimes that's outsourced now. That's a trend that's been picking up, but they, you know, they hire for that. And, and one of the first things is to uh, choose a new accounting system at that point. And so uh, that that's where we come in. It's, it's kind of like you know, you can get started on, on a small business system. It makes it easy for a non-accountant to use it. But at some point, you need to have a more of a mid-market system, which is kind of the category we fall into. All right. So really comes down to it. It may not be a revenue deal because transactions, there could be a volume of transactions at a pretty small revenue, depending on what kind of business. It's It's more about when it gets too complicated to do it yourself as a non-accounting professional. Exactly. Yeah. And and that, yeah, that's a great, great point. That's why revenue hasn't been a great proxy for us of when the complexity comes. It's usually headcount. And we like to say between 50 and 200 employees is usually where we land, but that can come a lot, a lot sooner, just depending on the nature of your business. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a company that I used to own pre-pandemic. The pandemic kind of finished it off, uh, at least for me. I did actually sell the assets of the company and and they are operating again, but I owned a company that did um, that had kiosks in malls and and provided you know kind of a service there. And and our average transaction was about fourteen dollars, fourteen dollars and fifty cents. But we did about seven hundred thousand a year in revenue. So you can see that there were quite a few transactions to yeah. to get to that point. And so we you know we had somebody who was handling the books and. Um, I think one of them, one of them definitely did it on, on QuickBooks, but one of them, I think used a different system. I just don't remember off the top of my head what it was. Okay. Yeah. It, that's, yeah, that's a great uh, example of when dealing with physical goods, it's, it's, um, really important to track that it's the lifeblood of the business. Um, and so, yeah, even if, yeah, 700,000, if you, you know, you lose 10% of the merchandise, that's that's directly into the bottom line. Whereas some other businesses, if it's like a uh, more of a services business, sometimes it just doesn't, it, it, it's not it's not that it's not important. I would always argue that it's, it's really critical to think about your accounting as early as possible, but it's not directly stitched into like the, the operations of the, of the company as much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, so, 
I mean, you've already mentioned QuickBooks. There are other competitors out there. You know, Zero is one that comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just these other really large, I guess, or I would even say entrenched competitors. So you guys are going up against them every single day. And, and that's why I made the parallel between the, the guy that was on before. He mm-hmm. does the exact same thing. They have this, this product that they sell and they're competing against like some of the largest companies in the world. And, and you're technically doing the same thing. So what do you guys do to compete with and beat them day in and day out? Sure. So, yeah, it's a great point. They, they don't have, um, you know, hundreds of thousands or even millions of, tri- of customers uh, in, in some cases uh, for not having a good product. They, they clearly are, are serving a good um, niche there or not niche, but it's, you know, there is this logical switching point, I think, for, you know, if you're going to move to the next tier up and there are other mid-market accounting systems that address that. Um, that is, you know, and so and so I think providing a product focused, easy to implement or fast to implement, easy to learn is what we like to say, because it's um, it's it's just, yeah, I don't know, but by building a more product focused accounting system where we're, we're actively listening to customer feedback and trying to make everything as simple as possible and not trying to build it to be overly complex, like we're never going to be this giant complex ERP. We want to, you know, solve for a level of complexity that these customers have, but do it in as simple a way as possible uh, as possible and not build in other stuff that we don't need. By doing that, we can provide this next step up uh, in an uh, easier, it's an easier way for them to, to, to get off their small business system. And that's, that's what really does it. And so there are some key things that come up. Like if you have multiple um, business units, so multiple entities, and you need to consolidate them. That's a key area where you can't really do that in the small business systems. Um, but you know, you could be you could have a pretty small operation, not a ton of complexity in any any one of your individual businesses. Um, but you need to consolidate. So, do you really want to go to something that's going to require you know you to hire a couple of accountants to manage it? And now you're now you're managing a team to solve this problem that could be handled in you know potentially a more simple way, and that that's that's really our sweet spot. Gotcha. So it's it's really about the technology, really, right? Because technically, you could hire an outsourced CFO or a bookkeeper or a controller or, or bring it all in house and and do it with the other softwares that are available. Your contention is that your software is is easier to use and easier to learn. Is that fair? Yeah, that's right. And it, it just allows you to do, you know, more with less. Um, yeah, that if, if you, if you want to keep a lean operation and still, uh, and not have to hire additional people to, to, to do that. Um, uh, yeah, our, ours is a good option for, for, um, for, for being a next step up over those small business systems. Yeah. And I think, I think any business owner that's listening would say, I want to run a lean operation, right? We we all know that headcount is typically the biggest expense that we have inside of an organization. And so if we can do it with fewer headcount, we will, because that just means that we're providing an additional profit or opportunity for reinvestment in the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly the message that's been, been well received, especially over the past um, year or so. 
doing, yeah, managing cash, operating efficiently has been the name of the game. Yeah. So when when you and when you came up with the idea really and approached Jeff, I mean, kind of tell us with tell us how that unfolded. I mean, you said you kind of convinced him, but and you did allude to the fact that it was the frustration of waiting so long for financials at the job that you were currently at that kind of pushed this forward, but kind of give us the whole, the whole story. How'd you come up with it? How'd you convince Jeff? How long did it take? What, what was the, what were the early days like? Sure. It's, um, so, so we were, we were my, the job I was working at the time, we, we were taking a bunch of data to, to, you know, to put it into our general ledger, which is about 40 years old. Uh, little, it's, it's now about 40 years old, a little over 40 years old since it was originally released. So all legacy system, that sort of thing. Um, you know, Excel and a spreadsheet-based process to get the, the data into it, do a bunch of manual things in the system that are pretty rigid to get the data then organized in the way you want to get it out so that you could take an Excel spreadsheet um, and run a bunch of pivot tables to make the financials that uh, that we relied on every month. It just seemed insane to me that that was the best process because then I looked at other accounting systems out there and and I you know we really selected for our budget the best option. Um, uh, it, it, uh, the other systems couldn't really handle the kind of complexity that we had built into that process. So it was actually the best option as well. So. Uh, it kind of, um, uh, it seemed crazy that that was the way that it had to be. And, and so I called up, uh, Jeff, I mean, we've been friends for since freshman year of, uh, um, of college. And so it's been a long time. And so, yeah, when I, I guess kind of joke about convincing him, it just took a, a few different times of like, okay, here's what I'm thinking and kind of, you know, laying out like a little, a little bit more detail, what it is and, um, and so he, he kind of poked around with it for a bit and we got, a you know, something up enough that we felt like we had something and, and then, you know, tried to convince someone to, to, to give us money to, to make it, make it a reality. And, um, and that, yeah, that, and that ultimately happened. It, it, so I'd say, you know, that was the initial idea and like drawing, I mean, sc screens on a sheet of paper was, is almost eight years ago. Um, and so we were probably, yeah. So what was that like? a year and a half of doing that about before we, um, we went full-time with it. Gotcha. So <clears throat> CPAs love their pivot tables, right? I mean, you're a CPA, you know, you know, you love to spend time in, in Excel and build pivot tables, but most people um, don't even know how, how to do it. Right. And, mm -hmm. I would be hard pressed at this point. We we spent some time in some accounting courses when I when I went to business school and and had you know assignments where we had to do that. But I'd be I'd be hard pressed to to be able to build any sort of a pivot table today that's going to do anything for me. I'm a pretty good Excel user, but you know building a pivot table is a whole nother another level, and so. You know, in my mind, again, I'm not a technology guy, but in my mind, what you built at SoftLedger is likely still kind of Excel based. Is that fair? Um, so it, it, we we want to make it uh, 
interoperable from the get-go is okay we we understand that excel is going to be in the picture in in your accounting close process we we get that there's no way that you know as it stands that that that's gonna you know it's a it's a great tool it's very flexible it's very standardized all accountants know how to how to work with it um and so we thought uh okay we want to make this interoperable with excel but i wouldn't say it's excel based it's more if you if there's a calculation that's that's you know unique to your organization or at least it's 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 you know cus customized enough that you want to keep it in excel and that it seems to make the most sense then we make it easy to upload that into the system um so you can get your transactions in easily and then on the, on the other side we make it easy to to you know you can filter and generate uh custom reports in the system but at any point you can excel you can export pretty much any page to excel uh so that you can do what you need to there as well and so we we tried to take that interoperable approach but there is a lot that is going on in the system and as much as you can systemize a pro certain processes you should it's just that some processes just don't make sense like you know there's things like commissions calculations or like just there's all these little nuances to them and 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 it, it, a lot of times it just you know excel is the best um uh uh place to, for that to live for many companies um and then at some point if they grow and you know you need more controls or over that process you can choose a system and go through the process of getting all that codified into it more of a system with controls you know that could make you know more sense down the line but um especially as you're uh, you're in your early stages, it, 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 it can really just be the case that keeping a lot of these one-off things in Excel and just making sure that you can easily get them into your accounting system, um, that at least saves the step of like doing something manual in between that then is, is a, an area for errors to, to pop up. Yeah, no, I think, I think that certainly makes it easier, right? Because if, like you said, if, if you're controlling something in Excel and it works for you and it's easy to track and you guys use it internally and that's fine, but if you have to recreate that in the accounting software to be able to, to generate reports, that would be mm -hmm. a pain. You're saying you can take whatever you built in Excel and upload it directly to your software. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, um, you know, an example being, um, you know, you have a billing process or a, a, a way for populating your bills each month that you want to put together and send out to your customers. Um, you could build that into Excel and have the first tab populate in our format and just upload that each time. And so you're just updating this file to get it all in. Or, I mean, you can, I, 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 I mentioned Excel a lot because that's, that's, that's a way that'll, that'll work self-service easily. You don't need any technical skills but you, you could do all this via our api as well which a lot of our customers do so you could actually build an integration but you know for a lot of especially small companies that's just not an option to to take that on yeah yeah no i think that's pretty cool so eight years ago is when you kind of got the start you guys are working nights and weekends you and jeff are building this figuring out the technology making sure that the accounting actually works etc cetera, etc cetera. so Fast forward to 2023, where where are we now? How many how many people work? It sounds like you guys are 100% remote. So, you know, how many states do you have employees in? How many employees do you have? What is the what does the revenue look like? What what does the growth look like day to day? We'd love to hear that part of the story. Sure, it, our our team is um we're, there's 11 of us full time. Um 
that's uh, only uh, that it's eight eight different states and one international. Um, and yeah, we, we have customers all over the world as well. Most of them are in the U.S., but uh, a significant portion are outside the U.S. Um, and yeah, we're growing, you know, pretty steadily. We're not sharing revenue numbers or anything right now, but um, we have around 70 customers um, uh, spread out all over, all over the world. Gotcha. And so you feel like this is the end all be all for Ben, or do you got something else that's going to bolt on to soft ledger? What, uh, what does that look like for you guys going forward? Well, you know, first and foremost, just growing the, the company as large as possible. That's the biggest thing. Um, and yeah, I think that there's enough room to run in this area. This could be the, the thing for a long time. Um, you know, there's, I like to say the, the market starts with, you know, every organization on the planet needs an accounting system, at least one. And so, you know, obviously it's not the, you know, designed for every single organization with all the nuances that exist in each industry, but uh, the, the, uh, the core general ledger concepts are kind of like in every accounting system. And so, um, so it's very general purpose to a lot of different um, a lot of different industries. And so through that, there's a lot of places we've got a little bit of traction that we can continue to suss that out and, um, and yeah, serve more customers in those industries. So it's, it, yeah, we've got a, got a lot of room to grow. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm no expert in terms of accounting software, but I, I do feel like, you know, QuickBooks and Zero are the only two that I can come up with, right? Before Soft Ledger, of course. And so um, I feel like it's, ripe for disruption, if that's a fair way of, of putting it. But I also feel like there's a fair amount of evolution that could kind of go into accounting software. So just give us your thoughts on, you know, you guys being a disruptor. And if you think the industry is is ripe for that, and then kind of where you see your software and others evolving in the coming years. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely true that there's, um, there have been some stages of, of, uh, of, the evolution in the evolution of, of of accounting software. So, I'll start like going back to so ours is a general purpose accounting system. That's the way how you describe it. And those started in like the early '80s. They came to market in a big way. Pr prior to that, there were specific accounting systems for like agricultural manuf manufacturing processes. And the general purpose system, the idea was bring it all together in one place where you can get a you know a single view of all your financials. Um, and so that was step one was was do that um, step two, and this is kind of my very high level summary of what happened in between. There's a lot of a lot of ch big changes that, that were made, but um, step two in, in this version is uh, 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 accounting a general purpose accounting system becomes cloud based. Um, and so this uh, you have a more of a subscription model. You don't need to have your own servers. Um, that that was a big part of that. And then, you know, when we started the company, we think that we're kind of at the start of this, this next evolution of accounting systems and that it, 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 it's, it's cloud-based, but it's, it, it, the architecture is, is what's called cloud native. And so it's, um, you know, our, our application is a single page application that just talks to our API. And, and through that, um, it, it allows you to, to build systems um, that are much more, um, 
much more connected easily to other systems because you know it's it's very rare that your accounting system is going to be the single system for your business. Um, you know the way that ours is designed makes it easy for you know our, our user interface is is just talking to our API on the back end in the same way as you know we have customers that have mobile applications that talk to our API. Uh, you know they have our user interface. They have their own user interface. And so there's there could be these multiple. If you think of like a hub and spoke model, these multiple uh, interfaces that could be communicating with the same system um, on the back end, and these are all you know ways of doing that, just through a be through a browser, through a mobile app, wherever in the world, all at the same time. And so we just think that that structure for how you design um, uh, an accounting system is going to be is, is part of this next evolution. There's there's more that goes with that, but. Um, yeah, for really any business process software, I think it's it's inevitable that it'll head in that direction. Yeah, no, I, th I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a lot that can happen from a technology standpoint. Um, you know, I, I know how APIs work. I know that that's essentially how different softwares talk to each other, but I don't fully yep. understand what it is. So maybe for, mm -hmm. for my benefit and the listeners, just kind of explain what it fully is and why it should matter to businesses. Yeah, no, I mean, that's exactly right what you said. It's, it's just, it's a way of interacting with the system. Um, it stands for application programming interface. It's, that's what it is. And so there, um, there are uh, like the more modern systems use what's called a REST API, which just, you know, makes it easier uh, to, communicate with another system you know you can, there's more standards that you know you know what to expect on this other side um and uh and people are used to to to, to using those um and there, there's some older ones that that you can still use to to interact with other systems there's just other it just takes longer to do it there's more it's more error prone once you get the integration stood up with those um so um uh yeah so that that the, the way our system works, a lot of newer systems work is when you're when you're uh, typing into uh, to the, the the browser based application that you're you know any you know application you're logging into via a browser easily. Um, what what you're doing is 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 pushing you know you click a button to add a new journal entry in our system, for instance, or a new bill. It's hitting our API. And and the the um, browser is just telling it how to do that. We've standardized how to do that in the browser. So when you're clicking the buttons around, it's just like communicating with the API. And so what that means is that if you um, if you're a third party that wants to, you like a bunch of the things in our system, but you don't need them all, or you know just you want to do something specific on your end, you could do the same thing as we did and just build an application that talks to our API. And so it just it that concept kind of unlocks um, possibilities that weren't there before. And it, and just, you know, I guess in summary, it just makes it so much easier and quicker to integrate with other third-party applications. And that, that, um, that it's, it's hard enough to build an integration with um, between two systems that have, you know, two people, different people design these two different systems and they made different decisions on how they're going to work. And some, there's always some shared concepts between them that work a little bit differently. And so getting them to talk together is just a nightmare, no matter what. And so anything you can do to reduce the friction in that process of 
having them communicate with each other just makes it a lot easier. And, and as that friction gets reduced, it just makes it so, you know, all of these dis disparate systems uh, feel like more one system a lot more, uh, which has big implications for, you know, how efficiently a, a business can use them and, and their, their operations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I try to think of my own business, the accounting side, I, I think, is going to get a little bit more complex for us um, here relatively shortly. But, you know, right now, it's not overly complicated. But for us with our, with our service based business, that API integration is crucial, right? I mean, being able to pull information from our CRM system, and have it populating new account forms or billing forms or you know whatever it may be so that we're not having to physically type in all that information in each different system is in, is incredibly useful and i can obviously see why that would be useful from an accounting standpoint as well yeah it makes perfect sense yeah and, and it, it's if it you know you shouldn't have to be involved in the accounting processes you know the 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 things in accounting that should feed from operational data should get that automatically what they need if there needs to be a review step because it's you know you don't want to automatically book journal entries in, in the accounting system that makes sense maybe an accountant reviews it um, and likewise if you need to know what is the um, outstanding balance on a particular customer's account you should just be able to pull that in the system that you're looking at even though that is derived from the accounting system so if all this is more connected you, you know the ideal dream state is that everyone in the organization has access to the data that they need when they need it, if they should have access, um, in the place that they're actually, you know, doing their job. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all about efficiency. So I think that I think mm -hmm. obviously that's on the right track. So <clears throat> uh, I want to ask you about AI and chat GPT and you know, that's big. You hear it all over the radio, all over the TV, everywhere online. Um, so what what do you think that's doing or will do to the accounting industry in the coming years? I think we're in for some some big changes. Um, I do. I, I you know and it, it hasn't seemed that way to me before, but um, it seems like. This. Uh, yeah, chat GPT and similar technologies, it's going to, um, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of uh, accounting work is categorization of, you know, what is this, this transaction, what, sh what does it represent to the business that I'm in? And so that, that's, um, when you, when you apply chat GPT, just some early things I've, I've seen around how it can categorize. It does that, you know, it does that pretty well in some cases. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a, a struggle in, um, you know, what a transaction is. If you're just looking at a transaction on a bag statement, what that is, you know, re restaurant, you know, uh, there's a charge at a restaurant. You could say, okay, that's that's for food. We can assume that it's for meals and entertainment for an employee, maybe. Maybe you can do that. Okay, so we get past that first piece. Now, what is that? Is that an employee that was was going out to sell something, or was it, you know, somebody in the legal department that was that was, uh, you know, it was for an internal business event? You don't. There's additional context that's needed to say what that is to a business, and so. Um, 
so th there, there are definitely some things that you could apply that to. I, I bet in the not too distant future, it will start to improve some of that categorization. But the next level stuff um, will take longer. Um, but I think if, if you can uh, apply some structured data um, concepts to that, you can start to get, um, yeah, there's there's some interesting things that could be unearthed. It's, it's just that's like, accounting already has a structure to it. And so um, I think that that's where some of the, the, um, the, the trouble with just using ChatGP to run through and guess and get it pretty well or get a starting point is good for some things. But when it comes to, to doing this very judgmental thing of, of saying, okay, this transaction is, is this way, it's this amount, it should go here on the financial statements. It's only currently or in the near term, I think going to be um, useful as a starting point to help, you know, go from, you know, if, if every month you're, you're going through your bank transactions and there's a hundred of them and you need to code a hundred, maybe in, you know, two years, you need to code 25 of them. And then in another three years after that, it's now you're just doing five. You know, I think that that's kind of the, you know, realistic path forward for this is it just starts to chip away the one, the, the, um, the repetitive things that, that can be automated. But I, yeah, I think it's gonna be very um, disruptive to uh, many, uh, many accounting processes and, and other, you know, just, just the number of, <laughs> of things that have come up even in the past like month have been pretty astounding. Yeah. So I wanna switch uh, gears a little bit here and, and get your thoughts on maybe the direction of the company or what you think overall, but I think that there's there's this consolidation going on in a lot of di different industries, in accounting included, right? And so I think you've got a bunch, and I mean thousands and thousands of one-person CPA firms throughout the country, right? And they're just doing tax work, they're doing some bookkeeping, and it's, you know, they have one or two staff people, and then they make a decent living, but that's really kind of all there is. And so you've got these people who are going out and buying up all of these firms and putting them all together into one larger firm. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, some of that's online bookkeeping, some of it's online tax, you know, preparation, some of it's, you know, both of them together. Um, so first, just what do you think about the future of, of that? Do you think that that's going to continue? And then for soft ledger, is that a target customer base for you guys to start to work with some of these online bookkeeping companies and sell like a commercial version of the software in addition to going directly company to company? Oh yeah, so I, I have heard um, uh, a lot about that. It's not, you know, for, especially for the smaller practices, we don't we don't um, delve into that too too much. It, it's Generally, the the firms that we have relationships with are um, do have outsourced accounting or controller services, um, and because we are kind of uh, up market from the the uh, bookkeeping platforms, it's generally when a company has gotten big enough that kind of outgrown those. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I mean that, that's we have a number of firms that that uh, are working with our customers. Um, that have, you know, user accounts in SoftLedger that are in there, you know, every day or every week. And um, yeah, we, we 
continue to see partnerships with those firms to be a big way, uh, you know, that we grow. And, and it's mostly around just helping them solve um, the problems for their customers and, and, and operate an outsourced accounting, their, their outsourced accounting business more efficiently, as opposed to even reselling it. It's, it's more about, okay, you, you, you're serving customers with multiple entities and they don't want to move to a big uh, ERP system. Is this an option that would help you uh, serve them efficiently, you know, keep their business, keep them sticky. Um, that's, uh, yeah, but I, I, I think that, that that will continue to be a big way uh, on, you know, a big path for growth for us, especially, you know, we're <laughs> like, like we try to help our customers do more with less, we're trying to do the same thing. Um, and, and the more uh, advocates we can have that are, that are serving our ideal customers that, um, that, you know, could be uh, using software to do so, that's, that's, that's really good for us. Yeah. Well, I've got a meeting this afternoon with a guy who owns a pretty decently sized online bookkeeping firm, mm -hmm. all remote, um, national. And so I'll, I'll mention it to him, see if he has any exposure to you guys, you know, your product. I'm pretty sure they're using zero right now. I'm not positive, but um, I'll, uh, I'll bring it up to him and see what, uh, what that leads to. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's tough, you know. That, that you're building an outsourced business. Margins can, can be can be pretty thin. You know, it's all about operating efficiently, being able to to to, to provide good work at a at a at a fair price. And um, and there's a lot of them out there. And and so sometimes uh, it, it you know there's just different strategies for approaching that. So for some sometimes they're entirely a zero shop. Sometimes they decide, okay, we're going to use whatever systems a, a company has. Sometimes there's a a few different options they they choose, but the, the rule is they have to be on you know the, the outsourced accounting operations um, uh, tech stack. So yeah, definitely understand that. Um, yeah, after talking to a number of them, sometimes it just doesn't make sense for, uh, for us. But um, in um, in a lot of instances, it, it it can serve kind of an unmet need there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, definitely worth the conversation. And he's a former guest on the program as well. We do everything that we can mm -hmm. to connect our guests together and see if they can benefit from each other's wisdom or business or whatever the case may be. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So let's kind of wrap up here, Ben, with, with kind of your view of the future um, for soft ledger. Like I know you're not sharing revenue numbers, but kind of what's your timeline to get to a certain revenue number? Maybe you can share some, some goals or whatever you're comfortable sharing. We'd love to hear kind of what you see as, as the future. And then I'll have you wrap up by telling us what, what the word tycoon means to you. Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess for, for what's next for us is, you know, aren't we a, a June, June 30th fiscal year end? And uh, our goal uh, this year was to get to profitability and, and generating free cash flow, which we are on track to do. So that was kind of the, the idea is, you know, we've, we've grown efficiently to, to date. And we want to, you know, do that in a way where we're, we're, you know, we're in control of our own fate. We, you know, if we're, you know, deciding to, um, to be unprofitable for a bit or, you know, dip into our cash, like that's a deliberate decision. Um, and uh, and we're, we're kind of operating at a, a stable, uh, from a stable place. Um, and so, yeah, just continuing to grow that way for a bit, um, you know, in the future, we may, uh, raise some additional capital to grow quicker, 
um, that would be the, the goal there. Um, but yeah, just continuing to grow our same user base uh, uh, and, and yeah, uh, incorporate customer feedback as, you know, as it comes up and, and, and just, yeah, build this really, really happy base of customer uh, of customers and, and grow that way. That's, that's uh, been our um, kind of our, our focus from, from the, from the get-go. And then, yeah, uh, Tycoon, I always think of um, the, uh, the, the big ones from like, like Rockefeller and Vanderbilt and all that. Um, where that, that's, that's what that word in it, uh, um, really, really goes to, uh, uh, I think, I feel like it's gotta be a cer certain level of like dominating a bunch of different, um, uh, or one industry and, and, and just really, really being laser focused on doing that for a long, long time. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if I feel like I'm, uh, I can, I can start to, to really live up to the, the name of the show, but we'll, we'll, we'll give it a shot. Um, you know, so accounting software tycoon, that'd be, that'd be good. Yeah, no, I think that would be amazing. And you're, you're definitely on your way if you're not there already, but, um, you know, when we started the show, that was kind of the same thought process, right? You think of railroad, railroad tycoon, you know, from like monopoly or, or whatever, but like you said, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts, those, those names kind of come to mind. And it's, it's a word that just isn't used as much today. And for me, when we when we kind of chose this to go with, uh, you know, as the name of the show, the the big thing for me was, you know, the, the reality is if you if you turn on the news or you go to social media or wherever it is that you get your information today, there are certain people that that we know, right? Like we know their names. We know Bill Gates. We know Steve Jobs. We know, you know, those types of people that have built these monstrous companies, right? And sometimes we even know not just the founders or the visionaries of those firms, but we know the executive team members as well, right? Now, Paul Allen's not as well known as Bill Gates, for example, but Paul Allen was a really important part of that, of that story. And they even had another partner that ended up having to pull out very early on. So, you know, the, the point is, those people are very, very well known, but there are just as capable executives and founders that are running smaller organizations that are run very, very well, that are super smart people, that are definitely visionary, but they're, they're working in an area that may or may not ever become as big as an Apple or a Microsoft or a Facebook or you know any of that kind of stuff but they're extremely competent, smart individuals that should be celebrated. And that's why we, that's why we call the, the show Tycoons of Small Biz. And the backbone of the American economy is the small business owner, which means something different to everybody, right? Sometimes it's 100 employees or less. Sometimes it's 100 million in revenue or less. Doesn't really matter what your definition is, but we want to celebrate the backbone of the American economy. And so we we put on tycoons of small biz and it's a pleasure to have tycoons like yourself on every week. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Oh uh, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. All right. So Ben, tell uh, those who are listening, how they can get in touch with you if they have need of accounting software for their business or whatever the case may be, what's the best way to get in touch with soft ledger and you personally. So yeah, our, our website is, is a great place to see more about us. Uh, uh, YouTube channels, got some videos on the product and everything. Um, 
And yeah, if you want to reach me, it's uh, my email is ben at southblizzard.com. So yeah, feel free to get in touch. Awesome. Really appreciate the time, Ben. Really appreciate your insights on the accounting industry as a whole and what you guys are building at Soft Ledger. Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us next week for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.